What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host for the show. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. I remember when Adolf Hitler was appointed chancellor in 1933, the masses cheered. But we were not among them. We knew that the times would be bad now. We knew that the Nazi threats were not empty. That those people meant what they said. We had to do something. We couldn't just stay silent. But we also knew that it can cost us our heads. Through the Darkest of Times is the game for this week's episode. Through the Darkest of Times is an historical resistance strategy game set in Germany in 1933. Yes, you heard me correctly. So please hang on to your hats. Some comparable games. So most notable for our listeners, there's a lot of similarities with the Banner Saga and a game called Darkest Dungeon. And it takes a lot from D&D and a lot of simple situations. And parts of it are very kind of overlord management, like a Sim City or, or things like that, where you have a map and you're kind of looking and managing things. The game was originally released in January of 2020 on PC and Mac, in May of 2020 on Android and iOS, and in August of 2020 on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. The game was developed by Paint Bucket Games, and this studio started with just two guys in Germany, and it's grown since they released this game. But their main focus is narrative political games, as you can imagine by what it sounds like. And sort of a humanitarian focus, uh, a lot of good vibes from their website. And they have a couple more games. Uh, one is called The Darkest Files, and I'm not sure if that's out yet or that's what they're working on. Uh, the game was published by Handy Games. And this company is kind of a European indie publisher. They publish a lot of small games. Uh, one that I saw that I kind of noticed was uh, This is the Police. I've heard of that. Uh, apparently, this is the first game that was published in Germany that has Nazi images in it. So it's been a long time coming. I guess images to come back into the forefront. So interesting point there. The game released with an MSRP of fourteen ninety nine. And the runtime of the game, somewhere between six and seven hours to complete the main game, although we'll talk about how possible or viable that is. Somewhere above ten hours if you want to kind of make sure you do everything. And there's a little bit of intertwining there because doing everything may involve actually seeing the whole story. That might not be something that's possible in your playthrough. For our PlayStation listeners, the game does have a Platinum Trophy, and I am playing it on PlayStation, uh, but I don't think I'm going to go for it. Me, I got it on sale for $7.49, so half off. And I've put in about five to six hours. I did quote-unquote finish the game in that 
my game is finished, <laughs> but I'll talk about sort of the specifics uh, of what I'm getting at there. And this game was not recommended to me by anyone. I saw it on the store on sale. I was really intrigued by the idea of it. It seemed like a historical game, maybe educational, and sort of the strategy elements were very interesting to me. But I will say, just as a disclaimer, and you might already realize this, this game is heavy. It definitely weighs heavy, so uh, keep that in mind. Let's talk some gameplay. So this is a strategy game. It is very story-based. It is choice-based. There is some light resource management, uh, but for the most part, uh, you can take your time through this. You don't have to, like you're not on the clock or anything like that. You can really kind of take it one step at a time. But just a note, there are two game modes, resistance mode and story mode. I played on resistance mode, and I totally forgot about it, and I got really mad at the end. But the game autosaves. And in resistance mode, it's always overwriting your autosave. Whereas in story mode, it keeps a list of them. So you can go back to previous days or previous times. I did not remember that. And so I played resistance mode. And so it overwrote all of my saves to the most current one. And when I got backed into a corner, I was SOL. So keep that in mind. So the general layout and how you progress... So the game is in four chapters, and it's split up. Between each chapter, there are historical events that happen, um, and then there's a time jump. So the chapters have like some years space between them. And then within chapters, you'll sometimes go through story events. I'm not sure what the trigger is for some of these. I don't know if it's a time thing. I don't know if it's based on uh, other components, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And at each one of these events, it'll be you know, stories happening, and you're reading through a lot, and then there are a lot of crossroads, kind of like D&D. Again, very Banner Saga. So you'll be in situations, and you'll have dialogue options, and so you'll make choices, and of course there'll be consequences. From what I've experienced, most of these consequences are immediate in that scenario or in that situation. I'm not sure of some of the long-term consequences. I don't really see any. I don't know how extensive that web is. And in between chapters, um, I don't see too many things carrying over. Some of the individual character things, like you'll have character kind of events where you have to choose dialogue options, and some of them do kind of carry over. But for the most part, I'm not really seeing too many of the consequences kind of carry over in terms of long term. Now, between chapters, there is a lot of reset in terms of your inventory, in terms of what's on the map, and we'll talk about that, in terms of available missions. It's almost like you're kind of starting over in between chapters. So the main gameplay aspect is going to be the sort of daily, or I think it might be weekly, kind of assignments that you have to choose. Uh, essentially, you're planning missions. And so at the beginning of each of these kind of daily or weekly things, um, you're first going to start with seeing a couple newspapers just to give you context about what's happening. And then you'll essentially arrive at kind of a meeting with your cohorts because you're kind of in this secret underground group. 
And so you'll see your characters, and at the beginning it's just you, but you'll eventually be able to recruit characters. And then you're going to see the map screen. And this is the screen that you're probably going to see most of the time. On the map screen, what you're going to see is some available tasks or missions for you that are displayed on the map in kind of like these bubbles. And some of them have different shapes depending on the type. And you'll also see at the bottom your party members and some of their stats. So it'll show kind of passively, I think, three of their stats. And then you can switch to look at things like your inventory and contacts that you've made. And then finally, there are two meters at the top for morale and supporters. And so in terms of your party, like I said, it starts with you, but you can recruit some and you'll have a max of five total, including you. And there will be situations where some of them, I, I'm not going to say permadeath, but if there will be situations where they permanently leave the group and you can't get them back because of situations or, or even because of consequences. And then you'll also be able to level them up. This is something that I realized like halfway through. It does not happen that often. And I'm really not sure how they're accruing experience. But every now and then uh, at the bottom of the screen on the map, you'll see like a, an up arrow. Uh, next to one of them where you can level up one of their stats or traits. Speaking of their stats, so each character will have five stats. Uh, literacy, strength, propaganda, empathy, and secrecy. And so they'll be given a number. It'll probably be single digits, like two or three or four. And so those are things that can level up. You can level up one stat uh, when they level up. In my game, I maybe leveled up three characters once. And then you'll also see if you click on the characters, um, they have traits. These can range from occupations, like there's categories. There'll be little icons. So like if you're like a, a blue collar worker, there'll be like a wrench. If you're a teacher or something like that, there'll be a pencil as a show of like an educator or something like that. There'll also be indicators for ideology. If someone's like a communist or if someone's like a social democrat or if someone is like a socialist like a monarchist, then there'll be indications for religion, all kinds of things. And then like quirks. So if they have personality traits like unemotional or paranoid or something like that. So all of those things uh, are kind of involved in the characters. And I think there'll only be three of them and it won't have to be everything. So not everyone will have an occupation or religion or something like that. These will become useful in terms of strategy because a lot of the missions that you're going to go do are going to have like a list of things that are helpful and things that are harmful for that mission. So you may or may not use certain characters uh, if it'll kind of boost the viability of that mission. So on the map, like I said, you will see these sort of icons for missions. And the way it looks, it's this monochrome gray kind of SimCity map. And there are these points of interest that are the different missions you can choose from. And some of them are colored differently to show just some differentiation, whether they're available, whether they're not. If anything is revealed, you'll be able to you know, move around and look at it and see some details. And so if they're kind of grayed out, they're not available because you don't meet the requirements. Then you'll have other icons that have like a question mark. And I think those are held behind a support threshold. So if you have a certain number of supporters, then that mission will kind of reveal itself. Then you'll have other missions that are locked and you have to do other things to unlock them. And if you actually move the cursor to them, they'll be kind of connect the dots between different things that will unlock that. So it's kind of communicating that for you, which is good. 
Each of these missions, once they're available, will have certain requirements. And they'll have stat requirements, like you need a high empathy and secrecy to do this mission or something like that. It will also show you the risk. And if you're just looking at it by putting your cursor over, it'll say like medium, low, or high for risk. And then it'll show number of members and any kind of items that are required, as well as what you would gain out of it. If you click that mission, it'll give you some more details. So it'll give you a pretty detailed list of what is helpful and harmful. That's in terms of like occupations that are good here, ideologies that are good, religions, quirks, things like that. And I really enjoyed kind of the mixing and matching here because it's really relevant to the mission. So some of the missions might be like, go visit a Catholic priest to try and gather supporters. And if you have someone who is like an atheist or something like that, it'll be harmful. So you won't want to take them. And as you're choosing who to add into the mission, there'll be little meters that say preparation and danger. So you want good preparation, you want low danger. And if you put in a character that has a harmful trait, it'll increase the danger. So it's like really giving you a lot of feedback as to how to strategize. And what's good about it is when you see a mission, there are typically three open slots for being able to put characters in. And if any of them are required, it'll have it in red. Most missions require one person, obviously, but some of them might require two, some of them might require three. But you can always add in optional people. It'll say optional on the other two boxes or other one box. And that's really good because if you have people where really there's nothing else for them to go do, you can kind of double up and it'll increase the viability like in your preparation It'll maybe increase the reward that you get. And so it's really good to kind of put people in and out. And what's really good is that you're not committed to any of these missions until you go back to the main screen and hit end planning. So you can choose to put two people in one mission and then one person in like another mission and then one in another mission. So you can really diversify what you're doing. Once you have hit end planning, then you'll start to get to the results of your missions. And as soon as you hit end planning, you'll get some general results for that turn. It'll say like how many supporters in general you gained or lost. And this is before you go over the individual missions. So just in general, as time goes on, you lose or gain supporters. And also you get money, which they call marks. And then you'll kind of zoom in and out on the map and you'll go to each specific mission and you'll go through how it resolves itself. A lot of the results, like I said, you've got supporters, you've got money, uh, you can have increase in morale and you can use and get items. So sometimes you'll like use paper to make leaflets. Sometimes you'll go to a mission where you can actually choose a new member. If you don't have five, you can get new members and you'll choose between three of them, which one to add to your party. Sometimes you'll get a story event where you've got some reading and then you'll have dialogue choices and it'll resolve how you choose. Sometimes you'll meet a contact which is interesting. I, I'm actually not too keen on what a contact does, but I think it boosts your uh, supporters at the very least. Sometimes you will have a chance of being seen by someone. And also you'll have a chance of there being a witness. And so if you happen to be seen, or if your character thinks they have been seen, at the end of the results of your individual mission, at the very bottom it'll say so-and-so thinks they have been seen. And what that'll do is that's going to kind of tick up the alert for that individual character. Sometimes you will have a witness and you'll be given like a very short window. It is timed 
to choose between three responses. And the responses are to flee, to hide, or to enforce. Sometimes it's a witness. Sometimes someone else in your party gets suspicious or something like that. Or sometimes someone might panic. But the options are still the same. And so if you flee, you definitely avoid any consequences, but you don't get whatever you would have gotten from that mission. If you hide, there's a 50-50 chance that you stay and get the stuff or you have to abort the mission. And if you enforce, you're kind of like committing to the mission, but I think the consequences are, are a lot higher. At the most part in the individual missions, the worst is that you are seen and it ticks up the alert for your character. And what the alerts are, is once you go back to the main screen, essentially next to your character, there'll be a red dot or multiple red dots. And the more red dots you have, sort of the more everyone is aware of that character and sort of like the spotlight is on them. And so when you get a character that is starting to get these red dots next to them, if you try to put them in missions, the danger meter is going to move more when you put them in because like I said the spotlight is on them if you kind of really test that and really put someone out there then you might have a situation where there's a police event or something like that where you have to choose dialogue options when the police come and things can get a little crazy with that but if you have a character that has these red alert dots what you can do is eventually they'll there will appear uh, missions on the map where you can have characters hide away and you might have to pay to get them to go but it'll like basically put them away and it'll have them skip a turn and those red dots will kind of go down. So there's a lot of give and take there. And that's very Darkest Dungeon. Like sometimes in Darkest Dungeon, if you've played that, like you'll go out on the mission and then you'll come back and your characters are like freaking out or they need medical attention or something like that. And so you have to like put them away in like the medical ward or something like that for a whole turn. And then once all of those things, once you see all those consequences, Essentially, what's going to happen is you're going to turn over to the next day, or I think it's the next week. I'm still not sure. And it'll come back to the newspapers. So you see the three newspapers, and then you'll come back to your your party sort of at their hideout. Sometimes going back to your hideout will start with a small event. And sometimes these are events between characters, like things will happen or they'll come in and they'll say something and you'll have dialogue choices. And there could be consequences to that. And then you'll pull the map back up and then you'll probably see some new missions, especially if there was a story event, it may have unlocked certain things. In terms of general progression, so just some general observations I have, it's not too clear when the story advances. I think it's when the supporter meter goes all the way up, but I'm not sure. For some of the missions being available, it's obvious because you unlock them, but I, again, I'm not too sure about just some of the main progression, whether it's middle story events between chapters or when the chapter is over. I'm not quite sure what kind of instigates that, what gets that going. It's still unclear to me. I'm not really sure in general what the aim is, what the overall goal is within these chapters other than just kind of stay afloat. And I can understand that that is probably accurate in terms of what the feeling is going for and the story and whatnot. But from a gameplay perspective, I feel a bit lost and kind of aimless in terms of like, what am I doing? What am I aiming for? Like, what's the reward for playing through this chapter? Like, what am I trying to achieve? In terms of strategy and play styles, I will say that there are a lot of different options 
And a lot of things that I avoided for a while and I didn't even realize because I played very kind of under the radar. But you can play this game very risky because some of the missions will have high risk and you can kind of go all at it. But I think the consequences are more dire. But either way, the story progresses. So I'm not sure which is the best route. I got pretty far in the game by kind of staying under the radar and not having too much trouble. Like if some of the red dots really started to accrue on some of my characters, like I sent them away to get the red dots down. I didn't really want to find out what would happen if things got really heightened. Although I did eventually in chapter three uh, have someone get arrested. And so like a mission will pop up to actually break them out of jail, but the risk is high. It's just interesting because I don't feel like doing a lot of risky things is even really worth it especially when you get to the end of the game, which I don't know what the full end of the game is, because what happens is as your morale goes down, if it gets too low, essentially your group disbands. That is the end of the game. And basically what will happen is you'll have like, oh, oh, where are they now or what happened to these characters and like because they disbanded. And then it'll quickly just end the game and you'll go back to the main screen. It can be a little tricky because I don't know what else ends the game because morale being very low is what ended it for me. Now, mostly in the game, at least through the first two chapters, there are many options to boost morale in kind of a quick way where you'll have missions where all five people can go. Like you might go dancing or you might go to a museum and it gives you a very quick boost in morale. But regularly... As you cycle through the different turns or weeks or whatever they're called, morale gradually is always going down. And so it's just a major thing that you're fighting. And the major issue with my playthrough is that I played it on resistance mode. And so I couldn't go back to previous chapters because I picked the mode where it overwrites the save. And again, I forgot about that. So this is my plea to you. If you're going to play this game, play it on story mode because I don't want what happened to me to happen to you. Because if there's a situation where your morale is really low and you don't have enough events in front of you on that day to get it back up before you disband, then you should go back to a couple days before or even the beginning of the chapter so that you can kind of put yourself in a better position. And so I think because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't see, there is some replayability here especially for different playstyles, you know, like, oh, I could go through it again and be very risky or, you know, kind of go all out. But the fact that I have to start all the way from the beginning and I can't even go back through my save file, it's a little frustrating, especially because I would probably have to go through all of the story events and all the dialogue that I've already read. But again, that's a mistake that I made because I played on resistance mode and not story mode. So don't make that same mistake. Let's talk about the vibe of this game. Now, we're going to start by kind of nipping around the edges first. But like I said in the beginning, this game is set in Germany in 1933. So this is the rise of the Nazi party, of Hitler, and so some heavy stuff. But let's start just with visuals. 
So there's a lot of drab colors, a lot of grays and blacks and browns, uh, but sometimes there are some various flares of color, like red and green, uh, with some of the missions. Like if something's available, it's like a bright green. So there is some pop with color. In terms of the characters, most of them have this look of like a 2D paper cutout, which is very simple, almost like storybook, but meets like the Guess Who game. In terms of their personality visually, there's this haunting expressionlessness on their faces. Like you can see their full eyes and their eyes are colored, but they have no expression on their face. Again, I'm along with the colors, I feel like this could have been intentional because of sort of the rhetoric here and, and the atmosphere of like what the situation is kind of doing to these people. They're kind of reduced to just this stoic face of just like dealing with things and it could be symbolic, I don't know, but it's interesting. And then when there's events and you've got sort of dialogue on the right and you've got dialogue choices, there are these event images that are happening. Like some of them, there's like a book burning or like there's a situation where, you know, a Nazi officer is like standing there. And I like some of the blurriness in the art. I think it really gives an interesting kind of harrowing storytelling perspective, like especially with like the book burning or like seeing the Nazi banners and whatnot. I just think visually everything was well captured, like the feel of the game uh, was really well captured, even though it was very simplistic. In terms of audio, uh, there's some great music in here. Uh, it sounds like there's kind of some jazz going on from a phonograph like all the way in the corner. It sounds like it's very far away, but I like it. It's it's very kind of jovial. It gives this fun feel, and I feel like it's just to try and help you get through the tension of what you're going through. And I wonder if like the music was kind of some of the band music because the game talks about how like jazz was kind of banned in in clubs and, and whatnot when the party kind of rose to power. So very interesting. In between episodes, there are like testimonies, like people reading from a script or, or giving testimony about what was going on. I wonder if some of these people were actual survivors. I think that would be very interesting, but they're kind of giving like firsthand accounts of things that happen. In terms of lore and research and fact, there is a lot here. A lot of information is here about like conditions that were going on, some imagery, situations that people experienced. I'm not sure about people and names, but a lot of the names sounded very familiar to me. The succession of events is pretty astounding because each day where the newspaper slapped down, it's like three weekly stories. And it's like things that were happening in Italy on that week or in Russia or in Croatia or like this governor got elected or this governor denounced this thing or, or, or whatnot. There's so much information in this game. Now, I am not a history expert. But there were a lot of things that I did recognize, dates and, and names and stuff like that. But I can imagine that this took an, a, a massive undertaking of research and information. So I really do commend that. I do teach at a high school and someone in the history department teaches a Holocaust class. And I really might recommend this game for them. I don't think that they're quite a gamer, but I would be interested to see sort of how they process some of this information, if there's more names that they recognize, things like that. And just in general, in terms of the atmosphere and the impact, like I said, this is heavy. You're going to feel this. You're going to see situations. You're going to read situations, dire situations, some dire imagery, nothing like live action or anything like that. But the idea of like, 
you know, a Jewish man is walking down a street and two officers stop him, like that's a situation and it's going to unfold and you can either back away or avoid it or you can approach it. And there's a lot of things here. There is some vulgarity, a little bit of violence, like I said, nothing in live action, but in the writing. Might take a little bit of a thick stomach with this game. Let's wrap up the conversation about Through the Darkest of Times. This game is heavy. The content, absolutely. The game is extremely informative. It's an historical game. If you're someone who's a history buff, really into history, I think you would really like playing this game and just reading through sort of the adaptation of the information and some of the strategy elements in the game. If you're interested in this, I'd say absolutely play it. It's very impressive the amount of research and incorporation they did and the preparation here, very knowledgeable, a lot of information, and I really like how it was worked into the gameplay. And I enjoyed managing the characters and choosing who to go to what mission and like, oh, we got to get some papers here so we can make some leaflets and then we got to get some intel and, and things like that. That countered with sort of this trying to swim upstream towards what's inevitable, like you know what's coming. With that in mind, I understand that it's part of the feel, but it can be a little frustrating, especially with the end of the game. Again, that's on me that I went with resistance mode instead of story mode, but part of me almost wishes that the game communicated a little more like, hey, if you're playing this for the first time, you should play it on story mode. And that coupled with just in general, in terms of a strategy game, not quite knowing what my goal is, like what am I striving for other than just to stay afloat? In terms of value, depending on what interest you have, this game might not be for you. Uh, I think for 10 bucks and under, this is a really good experience. I, I enjoyed the experience in general. I'm glad that I played this game. For $15, I could certainly justify appreciating the amount of work and cohesiveness that went into this game. But in terms of like a really good strategy game, you're going to have some frustrations here. Take that compromise with the appreciation of the history and and the information and stuff like that, and you could have a pretty solid experience here. And I think that I did. Again, I'm glad I played it. Just wish it ended on a better note. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you. <laughs>